We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. And welcome back to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me, Lean, from arsenalvision.co.uk. Unfortunately, Elliot cannot be with us to celebrate our victory at Watford. Uh, but Paul and James will be discussing the um, 3-0 victory at Vicarage Road in great detail. Short and sweet from me. Not very sweet. But um, just a quick point on the technical side of things. Unfortunately, Arsenal Vision has been a massive pain in my ass in the last few days. Uh, we've upgraded the site. Um, and that's caused me many problems. The RSS feeds, for example, is all packed in at the moment, so you might not be able to get the podcast in the usual places, such as iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. I'm not exactly sure just yet, uh, but my advice would be, in the short term, you can get the podcast from the website, arsenalvision.co.uk, go to the podcast page, and voila, everything will be there, at least in the short term. And hopefully all the feeds and stuff will be sorted out soon. Fingers crossed. Anyway, I'm going to go back after the Bayern Munich match. Just after we smash them 3-0. Because that's what we do. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. This is the Arsenal Vision Podcast. I'm Poznan My Pants. Or Paz or Poznan or Paul. Any of those. All of those. And yet so much more. In any case, not with us today is Yankee gunner, Elliot. Elliot is suffering from what I guess Arson would call a small groin problem. A bit like Sanchez, only Elliot has suffered from his his whole life. 
Anyway, at my and James's insistence, Elliot has taken things into his own hands, if you know what I mean. And, uh, well, anyway, hopefully he'll get everything sorted out and rejoin us for the Bayern game on Tuesday. Um, James may not rejoin us for the Bayern game. Perhaps he has a small groin problem I don't know about either. Anyway, I will investigate further. With little further ado, let's start the Arsenal Vision podcast, the Watford game, myself and James. Welcome, James. Cheers, Paul. Good to be back. Great. Well, um, obviously going to be a little bit of a different flow today. Uh, What I thought I could do to set you up to talk us through how you felt the overall game was, was um, obviously you never play in a vacuum. So we're going into a Watford side who's, I'm going to make some stuff up, but they were top of the table and unbeaten from the start of the season. But what might be true is that they conceded one goal at home and have been extremely robust defensively, uh, but not necessarily terribly prolific going forward. And I think we saw quite a lot of that in the game. Obviously, Arsenal have had two weeks of an international break, uh, came back in fine fettle, everybody having scored for their country, everybody in a good mood. But still, Watford spent two weeks plotting our visit to their little ground. Atmosphere was high, energy levels were high and intense, and the Arsenal players were maybe of a view, no matter how good the team talk was, no matter how good they got their head, uh, they'd had a great international break. They'd stuffed Manchester United, basically top of the table at the time. We were great. We were all powerful. And no matter how much respect we give to Watford, it's probably be going to be a first half of adjustment against a very physical and well-drilled team. Obviously, the first 11 was, was our standard first 11, so there were no surprises there. How did you feel the game evolved as we faced Watford? Well, first of all, I certainly agree. I don't think the international break could have been could have gone too much better for us. A lot of players got on the score sheet. Everyone seemed to come back healthy, and the two week break actually allowed the likes of Flamini Arteta to recover from their minor injuries, reintroducing that sort of depth to the squad. So you felt the players were high um, on confidence still, having come out of the win. You had player a Ramsey, for example, who hadn't scored prior to the game in the league, having just scored for Wales and. You know, qualifying for the Euros, which is obviously a big occasion for them. Um, the slight worry was Alexi. I personally wasn't too concerned by it, assuming he was fit, just because uh, if there's one player you can seem to rely on to not be phased or, or suffer from fatigue as a result of playing too many games, it's Alexi. So yeah, I felt really good about the team, especially off the back of such a, a sparkling performance against United. That being said, my general sentiment was that this could be a bit of a banana skin. Uh, Watford set up the way that we've we as specialist fans and as a team really don't sort of like coming up against. It's always tough when teams are well drilled, play a lot of men behind the ball, and and try and set up defensively against us. And as as good as the performance was against United, it was a very different type of game. We still haven't really proven this season that um, we're able to dispatch those sort of sides. Um, and a Watford side in particular who adopt that form of um, strategy against pretty much any team in the league are well or theoretically well positioned to perhaps cause a slight upset, grab a point, um, or be a little dangerous at home. I mean, the record of only conceding one goal at home does speak for itself. That being said, I mean, we had far more quality and we had far more quality going into the game. So It was a funny first half, though, wasn't it, in that they were 
disciplined. They were physical. There was some parked bus aspects to it. But that wasn't the full... It, it was kind of an open game as well. We had our counter-attacking opportunities. You can remember two or three offsides from Theo and even from the one where Ramsey was offside, but they called it back for a free kick that we got. Where there were, It was actually one of those games where they weren't in the trenches for 45 minutes. So it was kind of, it was kind of a hybrid game in, in a way, wasn't it? it? It had promise. It had a certain amount of openness, although, uh, of course, there was quite a bit of defensive solidity that seemed to frustrate us a bit. Can you remember how you felt at halftime when they went in? How were you feeling about the game? I actually remember thinking, as long as this goes the way I think the second half should go, I'm kind of enjoying this game. Well, no, I, I totally agree with your sentiment, actually. They, as you know, I was speaking about my feeling going into the game, and actually it was a little more, you know, with them playing as they do the 4-4-2, they didn't sit quite as deep as I thought mm. they would. Uh, admittedly, I don't watch Watford much, so most of this was purely based on, on the numbers going into the game. Sure. Um, so they were clearly very you know, up for, the, up for the game, up for the fight, uh, really quick into the challenges, um, strong physical side, clearly a well-put-together unit. I did feel fairly good going into the second half. That being said, the, the worry was actually that we could have, we could definitely have conceded in that first half. What yeah. the, the, the big chance that comes to mind is, of course, the one where Mertzaka gets caught flat-footed uh, and Koscielny does extremely well to recover and, and clear the ball. But frankly, from Watford's point of view, actually, I think in that two-on-one situation, he should have, he, he should have taken the ball on towards Koscielny, provided that space for himself to then lay it across, or could have even actually delivered a slightly better ball. I mean, that was a really golden opportunity for them. And a, then you felt... It was a quintessential um, purr moment, wasn't it? it? It really was, yeah. I mean, when you think about the one floor of first game, that's, exa- that's the exact type of uh, um, opportunity that we, we, we can see that you look towards. Um, so it was, you know, in that moment, I was, I was actually Gulp. sort of thinking... I was thinking, oh, where's Gabriel when you need him right now? Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know, we didn't, you know, we obviously we've come out of this game with a clean sheet and we've, you know, come out of this fixture now with, I think, the best defensive record in the league. But I didn't really feel that confident. You know, that didn't really feel, seem to align with, align with my general thoughts going into half time. That being said, we had created a couple of opportunities. The game was more open, and you did get the sense Watford were going to tire. Um, and we seem to be, you know, we still seem to be on our game. We were technically quite proficient going forward. Um, we looked like we had the ability to do what we ended up doing in the second half. Uh, Sanchez had a had a good opportunity. It was lively throughout the first forty five minutes. Um, the Ramsey opportunity was uh, was frankly even better. Was I mean, it was almost the, the same. Um, prototype as that of the United chance um, yeah. and you almost feel had he got it after he'd scored the first he probably would have buried it um, and you'd certainly expect him to um, or most players to put that away yeah. so there were definitely chances for both sides I think the, the one sort of major takeaway was coming into that first uh, uh, break or coming into the break was that we caught, weren't quite as solid as I thought we, we might have been and there, there did seem to be the potential for us to concede first it seemed like the two, our two centre backs in particular. I mean, per there's kind of a per tax, as I call it. There'll be one or two situations every now and then where, you know, you're you're going to be vulnerable because it's per. He does a lot of other great stuff, but that's a kind of quintessential per moment where 
you're just going to have to handle it. Um, but I did feel I wouldn't have been surprised if we heard Koscielny wasn't 100% for that game. Uh, and with his hammies, those two overhead, I think it was two or three, he had two or three overheads to clear the ball. <laughs> I hope that was with his non-hammied leg because that was a pretty, pretty balletic uh, stretch as he was doing on those. But it did seem, you know, our, I, I thought our fullbacks were sound. I thought generally we were pretty sound in midfield defensively. It seemed like our Achilles heel, uh, that's a very bad luck to say with the with, uh, in there, but our Achilles heel was our two centre-backs in the first half. That seemed to be where we had some vulnerability. And going forward, I kind of felt in the first half we weren't playing close enough together. We weren't combining, you know, forgetting overloads. The guys were just, you know, we were kind of like five guys or six guys going forward that weren't connected enough in the way that we were. We had a good 15 minutes, actually, I thought, at the start. And then we kind of, I think... We went out with the right mindset, and then it felt harder than it was supposed to feel. It was kind of gravity was heavier. This was harder going. They were more intense. Um, I guess my other reflection on Watford was they were very physical. I was, you know, props to them. Um, They were very clean. Uh, Even though I think they had a couple of yellow Mm -hmm. cards. None of them were. There was the arm across Koscielny, but it wasn't an elbow across Koscielny. Um... So very hard, physical, but nothing dirty about those guys. I was quite impressed with that. Agreed. I mean, even the armor cross, like, it did seem like a fairly honest um, yeah. attempt to to get his body in front. It was just particularly unfortunate for Koscielny how cleanly he he, um, he took his throat. So yeah. I think Koscielny was in quite a lot of discomfort for a couple of minutes for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they they were certainly up for the game and fair play to them, they, they, they didn't seem to take advantage of going outside the realms of, of, of like sort of standard rules and regulations to, um, to try and break us up and uh, break the rhythm of, of our game. But they, um, they were honest and they, um, they, they sort of, they brought a, a good physical presence. Um, and I think it you know, shows from the recent results that they've had that they're clearly a, a well-drilled and, um, and well put together side. So in that respect, I, I don't think there were many surprises to actually come through the first half nil-nil. It was, you know, at that point, it was all going to be about how uh, quickly Watford were ultimately going to tire and how well we could take advantage of that and whether, in fact, we could ensure that we didn't concede the first goal and then give them the impetus, the energy, and the ability to sit in the lead. Uh, I, th- I think... Uh, I think Wenger's talked a couple of times recently, different scenarios where he's talked about tiredness and you could kind of see you could kind of see the first half as kind of being a bit jet laggy a bit gosh this is harder than it should be given given the fact that we just played united and tranced them um and it's almost like in the second half you know a good team talk or a good getting their head together they came out now it still took them a little while to get going but once they went up through the gears i think it's really interesting when you look at the uh, all three goals how our front five are all together classically in position doing their things. And it's like they finally finally found a way to arrive in the box at the same time together so that they could work their mojo. But there's a point at which you kind of feel we, like any great team, you're going to have games like yesterday and we start to go up through the gears. I think that was, for me, that was the most reassuring aspect of it. Oh, absolutely. The ability to move 
um, to transition into the kind of play that we did in the second half was extremely positive and extremely encouraging. In fact, you know, on the face of it, given the scoreline, it's almost you would you kind of think, oh, it's you know very similar to the United game. But in some ways, it was it was the absolute opposite in the mm-hmm. sense that we we started off a little cagier, maybe a little not you know perhaps slower in this context, um, fairly solid. Um, had a decent amount of possession given the opposition, but frankly, had started off not maybe um, through choice, but in a similar fashion to the way in which we sort of played the second half against United. And then having worn through Watford, then had that blistering sort of 20 minutes where once we'd scored the first, then um, the floodgates opened, so to speak. Uh, and we looked extremely dangerous from that point forward. Yeah. So... Uh, it was I nice do, to see. Yeah, I do think it's a mistake not to always take into account the opposition and the fact you're playing home and away. You know, United came to our ground, but Louis van Gaal made it very clear beforehand that they were coming to dominate and to show that they were ready to win the league. And he brought their passing passing possession midfielders, only nothing went to plan for them. Whereas Watford were more realistic about what this game was going to be about and were far more physical, far more direct. I think Santi uh, used a pejorative. They went for the long ball off enough. I, I mean, I think it was a pretty sophisticated long ball. It was to a man. It wasn't some lob upfield. But, you know, they were transitioning. They were hitting us on the break, playing, us to their, playing to their strengths. We talked a little bit about stats beforehand. So... Um, I, I thought some of this was really interesting. This might be a little unfair to you, but I want you to have a guess at uh, – see if you can guess any three of the first five biggest passing combinations we had in the game, player to player, like player X to player X. Um, this is not based on anything I saw in the game because this is not something I was really assessing, but I don't know. Let's say uh... – Murdersacker to Cazorla, um, or Koscielny to you know one of the centre backs yeah. to Cazorla to Santi, I would guess is a sort of quite a common in, um, action that takes place on the field. Yeah. Then maybe um, between Cazorla and Cochrane, okay, uh, and moving forward. I, I, I just don't know based on quantity whether it, it will be another defender to that midfielder or if. It actually, given the amount of, so I imagine it's Kazola to expert. Let's say Özil. I don't know. That would be Good. nice. Well done. So, um, <laughs> the, the, well, the first two are well done because I think they're very logical and they what I what I would guess, but they're kind of wrong. So usually you do see that really high centre back to centre back, but it it kind of makes sense thinking back on the game. There wasn't actually that much of it. So here are the first five passing combos- combinations: Kazola to Özil which was the okay. for, the forward passing one you were thinking of Montreal uh, sorry Montreal Monreal to Cazorla there's Cazorla twice okay. and then Monreal to Sanchez now why I think that's really interesting is you can see you know it's 18 and 18 involving Cazorla you know basically Monreal uh, oh the third yeah the third one is Monreal to Sanchez so you can see how instrumental Monreal is in feeding the attack and how much is coming from the left side how Almost everything's going through Cazorla or some function of Cazorla and the role he played in the goal. And then Cazorla-Dozel, as you guessed, was the top combination. That relationship there 
kind of ran the game in many ways. Um, so Cazorla to Coughlin, you guess, that's a good one. Again, that would be at the base of that that five to get things going. Uh, but you kind of might have expected it to be Coughlin to Cazorla. It's kind of interesting. And, and what I said about Cazorla in the United game that really struck me, uh, two things. His The way he's become a real defensive terrier, he no longer looks like a winger back there who's doing a really good mm-hmm. job filling in. I mean, he's yeah, really... really yeah. It's almost like the Olympiacos thing hit him hard. He has really fucking embraced uh, the defensive, the the grit side of defending. Like he owns it, and when we fail back there, he failed. He's not just, he's not like the winger who runs back to help out anymore. Um, and but what also struck me in the United game is I got a sense that Kakala and Kazorla don't just complement each other and don't just kind of pass to each other when they're there, they start to use each other now. You know, if they get a difficult ball, they know where the other guy is and they lay it off to them. But I thought it was very interesting that Cazorla to Cockland was the higher number. Uh, Cockland to Cazorla is a lot lower down the list. It's like 15, uh, I guess, quantity-wise, it's not far off. It's a, it's 11 passes versus 15. But um I thought that was – so biggest pastor in the, in the game was Cazorla. Um, Coquelin, though, was right up there in terms of number of passes. Very high uh, pa- – so top – yeah. So top players, Cazorla, 100 passes, 93%. Uh, so 93 passes. Coquelin was second. He was ahead of, Ho- of Ozil. He was 73 passes, 69 on target. Uh, Mesut Ozil, 70, 58. So he was probably because he was playing higher risk passes. But, um, you know, Santi ran the game, really, is what yeah. my eyes told sure. me and what the, the stats uh, kind of t- – uh, the, the bit I loved with Cazorla, remember that bit where he was back in defense, he was in the box, and he decides to play it out by beating one of their guys. And then that looks a little mm-hmm. easy. So he does a 360 back to beat him a second time. <laughs> I'm one of his colleagues. And in my mind, I remember him doing it a third time, but it might only have been the second time. He's a gas little man, isn't he? He is. He, he loves toying. He, he loves just sort of toying with people with the, uh, the two-footedness that he has. Uh, it's such an incredible... It, when they he's don't playing know which, in, in they, full flow. They have no clue which way he's going to go with that two-footedness. I mean... Um, I always used to think when we debate Jack, you can say he's he's one-footed, but if your one foot is good enough, most of the time they still don't know what you're going to do. But, man, do you see it with Cazorla, what he can do with two. It's not just he's two-footed. He has two great feet. They have no idea what he, his ability to dribble out under pressure. It, the, the other thing, I think I said it in earlier pods, was I was concerned a little bit. I, I loved his play back there, but sometimes his decision-making to play out of there was a bit high risk, and it just seems like over the last few games he's really getting the risk reward thing right. He's making really good decisions defensively to play out. I I couldn't agree more. I think you know, so his his low center of gravity, uh, given his height and the way he shapes his body in order to create that space for him on both sides. I mean, he's he's just absolutely exceptional at it. I mean, that's why. I, I imagine he attests to the fact that he much prefers a centre role, whether previously it had been the number 10 role, um, and now obviously in a much deeper position than playing out wide, because 
he really has that full potential to go 360 degrees um, wherever he is. And so it's such an incredible asset to um, relieve pressure in certain situations. For example, your aforementioned point, which admittedly was at 3-0 when we were playing with a bit, with a bit more cocksuredness to, um, to our game. And naturally the players are going to be uh, able to treat it more like a sort of a training game affair when it's the 92nd or when, it, when you're in stoppage time at 3-0 up. Um, but yeah, so that I mean that that quality is phenomenal. And actually, I, I completely agree with what you say regarding his what he brings on the defensive side of things. And I think it's actually been a little understated even previously. I I agree that he, he's definitely really brought that to the fore of the last couple of games. But I think it's been actually a low key part of his game gradually through throughout the the process of him the, the sort of coming to terms with playing this deep role. I think the classic example that we tend to use for a lot of these things and um whether it's a change of tactics or especially the way in which Cazorla has uh, adapted to this role from last season is the Man City game. And I think that was a really exemplary game where he demonstrated that despite his physical stature, despite how technically gifted he is, despite the fact that he's always been a very attacking minded player, that he has the ability to add the defensive qualities that the team require um, in that position, and he's not, you know, he's not a big, uh, he's not a Coquelin, a athletic guy that's going to win you headers. He's not, you know, blessed with an incredible amount of pace, and you know, he doesn't quite have that sort of reach like a, I don't know, like Mertesacker, Koscielny, etc. But he he seems to have a very distinct sort of knowledge of of the game, where he should be, how he can best be um, employed to provide added cover maybe to a fullback, um, to uh, a centre-forward sort of attacking through the middle. Um, you know, when you play that central role, you've, you've got to adapt that. You've got to see where, where spaces are opening up. And I think he's a very intelligent player in that regard. And I think a lot of that intelligence is also being displayed in the defensive side of his game, which is, um, which is complementing well with uh, the way in which we, you know, with any sort of uh, transitional aspect of, of a game, whether a momentum swing, just, you know, it's a key part of, of the role he now plays. So I think, albeit he's not someone we look to, um, you know, when you look to the benefits of someone like a Schneiderlin, who I think does play a more similar role to that than necessarily your, your Coquelin that a lot of people want to. Mm. Um, obviously, he he's very, um, he's got a lot of those defensive qualities and a lot, I don't, I don't think you are either, of course, but I'm not suggesting that it's quite like that. It, it's quite to that level, but I think it's um, it's certainly a little better than, than many give him credit for. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, 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 in the midfield, he's our deepest lying midfielder when we're in possession, which is why he's playing the ball to Coquelin more than Coquelin's playing the ball to him. It's also interesting that Cazorla's comfortable now Remember all the talk about how we played around Coquelin? Well, that's changed. We play, we very often play through Coquelin, which was why he was such a, a high count. And I think we all saw Coquelin with some clever passing and distribution in the game. He he flubbed a couple of moments where he got maybe the wrong side of the guy who was marking and got himself in unusually in trouble once or twice. But the the counterbalance to that was some very clever passing, releases, distributions, one or two long balls, one or two, you know, some diagonals, where, you know, Santi's no schmuck. If he's if he's using Coquelin as one of his go-to outlets from deep, it's because he's developing confidence that Coquelin's going to do something useful. Or 
you would have seen what we've seen in earlier games in the season where they kind of worked the ball around him. So I really start. I really think they're starting to know how to use each other far better than they could. Um, now, interestingly, so let's let's kind of go. Uh, the one point I would also like to make on Cazorla, um, you, Arteta has shown us how good soft feet and clever feet can be in terms of ball winning and tackling. Yes, these are small guys, but if they use their quickness, uh, you know, the trade-off to being small is, as you said, low center gravity, quick, and if you've got really good feet, you'll you'll come out with the ball more more often than not against some big lug who's trying to, you know, some Fellaini type in midfield, and we've seen it so often with an Arteta, and now I think we're finally starting to see. I agree with you. We saw it all the way through. We've seen it all the way through this season and, and really in large part since City. I just think he's really knuckled down to the idea. He owns this job, uh, and, and he's really kind of bringing it grit-wise, positional-wise, Owning that deep lying uh, midfielder piece, so uh, I, I, to me, there's been an evolution in his game. But uh, using the Cockerland jumping off point, let's get to the good stuff. Just as the team kept the good stuff to the second half, uh, I guess so are we. So um, Cockerland nearly gets called for a penalty. Not that I thought it was a penalty, but uh, you, you'll have a, your say here in a sec. But you could have seen a decision just on the edge of the box there or a really bad decision that would have given them a penalty. But in the space of, I think somebody said, 22 seconds, we're up the other end and our first goal comes. Yeah, I mean, so Kapu um, ties into the box and I think there was barely any contact, a flailing arm from from Kakalani. He was really looking for it. Um, and admittedly, on the face of it, you can kind of see why... How a ref would get conned in. It was kind of a good like dive. That. I mean, it certainly had yeah. me wondering. Yeah, it, it almost had you wondering at first whether it was really a dive or, you know, it didn't look like a foul, but you weren't really sure yeah. if, like, this momentum had kind of brought him down or, yeah, he, I, feel, I mean, if we're going to commend dives and, and, and for a play like that, then, then sure. I mean, I think it was a very well executed um, attempt to. <laughs> Um, sort of like the referee, but from that point forward, I mean, it was it was a really classic sort of Arsenal counter attack. We got we got the ball to Sanchez on the left quite quickly, and a lot of space opened up, especially with Capu having momentarily charged forward and didn't have the um, didn't have the time to to get back to support the Watford defence, and and Watford backed off as Alexis moved forward. It allowed Cazorla Ozil to move in Walcott. And Rams, who were both trying to make um, runs on the um, on the edge of their defensive line, and I mean, I mean, what a phenomenal uh, disguise pass it was from Cazorla! Because Brilliant. in that moment of panic, you had you had the runs, you had the each of the runs of Alexis Walcott, um, of course Özil, and I, I think Ramsey, well, maybe Ramsey had dropped back at that moment. Um, so Ramsey, defense was, Ramsey was over to the right, I think. Anyway, go ahead. Right, so I mean, you know, the defense was stretched. They, there was panic stations there, and Cazorla, you know, he, he shaped it so beautifully as if you know everyone thought he was about to shoot, and then he he, he spots Özil in that little bit of space, and um, and from there, I mean, Özil looks like he's up, he's going to sc- score. He actually gets um, 
the, I think the referee did call it back for a penalty because I think the defender was yellow carded, mm-hmm. and then of course it came out to to Sanchez and um, and it was I think I thought it was a very smart finish because uh, you know the way he lifted it there wasn't too much room you know it was something you it was one you expect him to score no doubt um, but you know clipped it into the inside of the post and uh, you know a player in phenomenal form at this moment and, and the combination between Cazorla to to Özil does the little one too of course and then. Uh, Sanchez finishing it off. It was an absolute delight to see. So, um, so yeah, like a, a very sort of, I guess, Wenger ball counter-attacking goal in some of those. I absolutely loved the goal. And I think it had all the elements of why we do what we do. It's, it's the living testimony of why he sets up our front five the way they are. Uh, Ramsey makes his his run along the right. That gives us some width and stretches them. Uh, Walcott makes his diagonal run. It's a really nice little run. Uh, you could be forgiven for not really noticing it, but he brings both centre-backs with him for a moment. And then Cathcart goes back to position, uh, but he's kind of tugged out of position. And, and that's the hole they put the, the, that Santi puts the ball through to Ozil, that gap. Um, Sanchez has just literally been electric lately and uh, uh, you know it's a, a a goal many people would have missed but Sanchez is never going to miss at the moment with what is it 10 goals in six games or something like that he's just on fire sounds about right and then you know I, I still love everything Ramsey's doing I've been waiting to write something on Ramsey but I just don't think it'll really be heard at the moment because he hasn't scored well he has now um <coughs> But I'm loving what he's doing. I think the runs he makes over on the right, uh, you know, Jonathan Liu did that piece uh, just now about the kind of the Muller-esque aspect of Ramsey's game. And I think a lot of people are missing it. They have a filter that they wish he was somewhere else or that he should be doing the things he did before. He has been making that second striker in the box run as he did on that goal. For pretty much, you go back and look at any goal highlight. He's there all the time as that other option. The ball occasionally is squirted out to him, and he's maybe not taking his chances. So, you know, I would agree uh, it's quite clear he doesn't, he still doesn't really have his shooting boots. But in terms of his overall play, I love everything he's doing for us in terms of space. He's the, of the five guys, he's the guy who works out what pocket we need him in, adjusting to all the other people. So I thought it was a beautiful thing that he gets his goal a little later on. That was the first. Uh, We very quickly take Theo off. In fact, Giroud had been warming up. You know, a a quick word on Theo. I always talk about him when he's had a great game. Obviously, this was one of his more invisible games. There will be games like that. I still think the, the way that five operate worked well for us. We just hadn't kicked up the gears yet. I think he did help on that goal. I think he, uh, I liked his offsides. I think I think we all get this. Somebody like a Drogba got caught offside quite a lot in his career, but it's almost like he's testing and playing with the back line. I'm not saying Theo was deliberately being offside, but you know you're playing right on the edge, um, and you just need to get lucky that once. So, but beyond that. You know, he made his runs. I, I just didn't feel in the first half we had our shit together enough as a front five to really make use of him. I think that was my disappointment a little bit. And 
it shows the kind the limits of his game somewhat that he wasn't able to have an impact beyond that. But we bring him off, we bring on Giroud, and we're using our striker tag team. Now you're you've a great deal of love and respect for Oli as you should. Uh, beautiful thing he got his goal. How did you feel that changed how we played as a team? Um, well, you know, quick point because obviously you love um, Theo, and I've I've definitely been. Uh, moving in that direction too. I still think he certainly added a dimension to the game. I think part of the Alexi form we're seeing as well as being complemented by the um, the combination between the two of them, just in the runs they make, the type of space that opens up, the kind of danger that the, the two of them are able to pose with their pace. Um, but yeah, I think it was was a game where he was uh, the... and It was the anonymous side of, of Walcott that you do tend to expect every now and then, um, especially playing in that central forward role. So it was in, it was actually quite interesting that, you know, Arsenal decided to bring on Oli before we'd scored and and kept with that decision. And I, I think you know, as Oli always provides, he always provides that um distinct outlet through which um we can play through. And I thought his hold up play which with this sort of dipping confidence that he suffered from, has actually, you know, in unison with his finishing, has has also um, fallen out of touch ever so slightly. I thought his touch was excellent um, from the game. There were several occasions where he was holding the ball um, excellently, and you know, with the with the one 0 lead, with a slight uh, lack of surety from from Watford's um, point of view as to how they should then approach the game. I mean. As you were really sort of allowed um, the, the the rest of the forward players uh, to flourish, I, I, I felt, and I'm not. I, I think his positioning in and around the box in in those types of game situations, and um, it, was, it was actually a very good finish from the from the Erzul cutback. At first thought, mm. perhaps given his current run of form, I, I thought he might have skied it, but it turned out, it turned out to be a it was a right a footer, wasn't it? Finish. Right foot finish. It was a right foot into the roof of the net, uh, which was good to see. And he'd scored twice on the international break. Although both were, were quite sort of dodgy goals, I felt. Um, yeah. they, weren't, they weren't particularly clean finishes, but that, I'm sure, did him a, a little bit of good. And it's just, as we've talked about, I mean, that tag team, as you've, as you've coined it, provides just a very different um, beast, quite literally, for an opposing team to deal with. I mean, you've, you've been playing for a full 60 minutes, coping with the pure pace, like electric pace of Theo. Um, and, you know, what that, what that opens up for Alexis. And then now you've got to totally alter the way you're thinking and playing someone who's, who's willing to get their back right into, who can hold the ball up, um, who still has a lot of pace in and around him, uh, especially when we're in full flow. So... That clearly, I think that clearly worked to our advantage, and I think part of that was also having scored the first naturally against a side like Watford, and given the kind of confidence boost it gave us, I think things in general opened up a little bit more too. Yeah, I think their energy it kind of burst their balloon a little bit. What I liked about the second goal was like the first goal, it was very much our front five doing our thing. I really liked the fact that Ramsey was on the left side of the box, uh, where he 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 was doing his. Uh, Muller-esque, looking for where he can cause the most trouble. You know, he's nowhere near the right wing. He's the guy who has the shot that gets deflected 
that Ozil chases down and cuts back. Um, and again, it would have seemed unjust given all of the good work he's done if he didn't get a goal at some stage. So I really like that second goal too, for almost for the same reason. I don't think we changed that much how we played when Giroud came on. I mean, I think he contributed a little bit of a hold-up play, but at this point, this was two minutes into it, into his uh, arrival or thereabouts, maybe it was a couple of minutes more. Um, we were still playing and attacking the same way with that front five, uh, which I find personally gratifying because I think that's the crank we got to turn to get these goals. Uh, I mean, r- remember the conversation we had quite a few pods ago where Elliot was saying about XGs and, you know, would we ever regress to the norm in terms of start scoring anything like the goals from an XG standpoint? And it seems we are. I mean, we've got five, three, and three. Uh, and I think the other two games around there, well, uh, there was a Carling Cup one. I guess you can't really count that. There was, I prefer not to mention the Olympiacos goal or match, but we scored two. You know, we are, the, these aren't one zeros. These are lots of clean sheets, lots of goals. So, um, seems like we're doing, it seems like we're performing to our XGs and we're now finishing. Admittedly, a huge amount of it has to do with the Lexus. So, James, I talked a lot about how the left side was contributing. The The third goal was a nice testament to our the right side of our attack. Talk us through it. Yeah, so the, the goal came through a fantastic run from, from Hector, who had found a lot of space on the right. And when he got into the box, what we've seen with him is he's, he's very calm. There are clear signs of him having developed as a, an attacking right wing forward growing up. Um, he's got such wonderful feet, and he's got the calmness of thought um, when in the box to sort of um, to shimmy a little bit and create that, and then to spot the um, space that's being created in the middle for um, Ramsey to have what should have been an even easier finish than he made it um, out to be, but um, ultimately grabbed the third. So, you know that that pace on on both flanks from both fullbacks is is often something that poses a, a lot of danger for the opposition. And it was, you know, it was great to see, obviously, Ramsey uh, finally getting his first goal of the Premier League season. Um, really, as I second, said, I think he got, he got diddled, but yeah, yes. Yeah, but, you know, unfortunately, there's only, uh, there's only the, the actual stat that, that counts for it. And I think it would have been bugging him, even, if, even yeah. though he would have known he'd, he'd scored in, in a proper game at a time when he thought that he, you know, he hadn't known when he when he hit the ball that he'd been called offside. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, I I always think of that goal and it, I I equate it to the Welbeck one. You remember his Welbeck's brilliant goal that got disallowed last year, where he played. Can't remember who it was against. He was playing in from the left side, which is a fucking great a great little dink at the end of it, and he was called offside. He was never fucking offside. And I always equate those two goals and how the two players must feel. They must spend the whole second half of the season ruining the fact that they got screwed over. <laughs> yeah, um, especially someone like Ramsey, who is such a confidence-based player. Mm. Um, at least on the upside, I mean, he's whatever his confidence is, he's, he never shies away from any uh, aspect of the game. He's always always willing to take shots on, always wants the ball to... Um, to be played to him, um, which is one of the you know sort of the best qualities and most resilient aspects of Aaron. So, 
having scored that goal for Wales, but it's it, it's it's a different context. There's still the mental component of knowing that he was yet to get off the mark in the Premier League, and we've seen how one goal can often lead to a run with Aaron. Um, perhaps there's arguments to be made that he he's inherently not going to score quite as much, perhaps from from the right as um, as he would otherwise in the deeper line you know, or playing in the central mid role. I'm, I'm not quite convinced by that argument. I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't buy he, it at all. He, he certainly isn't by, is scoring as many goals as, as he did. But if you look at this uh, Ramsey goal, it's very uh, much a case of Ramsey playing the second striker one more time, which he does all the time. He's, he's nowhere near the right wing. Uh, for all my talk about the contribution from the right side, Ramsey is, has taken the opportunity to abdicate any responsibility on the right wing here. He's playing through the middle. Giroud makes the, the run to the near post. Ramsey's in the center of the box, being the second striker. That goal has been something that Ramsey's been doing all season, making those runs as the second striker. It hasn't really. It's paid off to our overall play, and he's often the decoy. Um, I was delighted he got this goal. Wish it had been a a more fulfilling finish for him, but it's kind of the pressure of water eventually paid. Um, what a way to announce to us all that he's expecting. I felt I could imagine his in-laws being pissed off that this is how they found out that their daughter was expecting a baby, but I think he, <laughs> I was offended he hadn't told me in another way. So then we um, we pretty much <laughs> wrapped up the game pretty cleanly from there. We kept it under control, which is a nice thing to to say. Now maybe I'm collapsing a lot of act, uh, action and activity after that, but I mean, what do you remember? Do you remember much? Uh, a lot of excitement after that point. It seemed like we knew how to play that game out, and it seemed like uh, Watford's bubble. Uh, was well and truly burst and we chewed the balloon, giving it to the dog and he pooped it out his bottom by the end of it. I mean, there was nothing left of them after that second and then third goal. No, it just seemed to be a, very, a supremely confident side at that point. And you talked about the the pirouetting of, of Cazorla deep in our own half. Yeah. And I think that was exemplary of, of just how confident uh, we were at that stage and how difficult it was for Watford to get the ball back off of us. Um, I don't remember... And we may be forgetting a, a clear-cut shot. I, did Ramsey have that shot that went across the face of the goal and over the ball? Was that after he scored the third? Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that was only a chance that took place uh, later on. And yeah. frankly, you know, from from the moment we scored, the only team that ever looked like scoring um, next um, or at any other point for the rest of the game was us. Yeah. Uh, so as Arsene pointed out, the sort of ruthless quality that we demonstrated was extremely encouraging in that we didn't just take the 1-0 lead away from home, which we have in many uh, times past, and, and just sat back and, and grinded it out, which I think is a, a strong and important quality that, for the team to possess. But clearly we, we felt that Watford were there for the taking, and, and by God, did we did we take them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing I'd actually meant to mention on Hector, for based on that run and assist, was I'd read somewhere that, I, I, I just because it seems so outrageous, and I, I, the article didn't exact didn't have like a link that backed it up, so I, I don't, you know, I don't take a um, account for the, the truth um, of this, this statement. But apparently, he, according to the article, as I reiterate, um, Bellerin has created the most quote unquote clear cut chances oh, I of saw any something player like that, yeah. in Europe 
yeah. uh, you know, of any player in Europe, which is, which is quite phenomenal. So as much as we attack down the left um, throughout this game, and I think as you know, dangerous as Monreal, I mean, he's been superb defensively and, and, and poses a decent attacking threat. Bellerin really adds a whole other dimension coming there from the right. And I think it, we've seen that especially later on in games where our opposition defenders just really struggle to cope with that pace. Yeah. So you really do have to he's look been a at revelation. Yeah, 20 years old. You really do need to look at players in pairs or as part of kind of groups and, and kind of systems and the counterbalance because Monreal's intelligence and experience and his, his lack of need, you, you really get a sense he doesn't look for the spotlight. He doesn't need it. He knows how to counterbalance uh, Bellerin going forward. I, I mean, his passing set stats and being key to what we did today were very high. He won six of six headers, and he was just in. I mean, they did nothing down that side that got anywhere near. If Monreal was involved, they got nowhere. He he had such a solid game. It kind of makes you think, who else have we forgotten to? You know that feeling you get off the pod and you're like, oh, I never mentioned. I'll tell you who we haven't really mentioned. Ozil was outstanding. But the, oh, and, and I got into trouble for this. Uh, Calvin Masterson has took me uh, to account on this a couple of times, and I think it's a fair point. I tend to not talk about certain players like Alexis and Ozil because for me they're like settled law. They're just they are brilliant players, and of course they played brilliantly. I might talk about them when they don't, <laughs> and you know I, I think that's very frustrating for people who love these players as I do. But, you know, if they're your player, you love hearing about it, I must frustrate the shit out of people because I generally kind of gloss over them a little bit to talk about the people who are surprising me with their brilliance. So apologies to everybody. It's something I do. But I thought, <laughs> obviously, Alexis was superb. I thought Ozil, obviously, was just uh, magical one more time against, a, you know, he's proven it against United. He's proven it against the Watfords. I don't know why he needs to fucking prove it. He has had his times where he's a little too low profile and had games where he's a little bit too out of it. Um, he needs his Ronaldo. He needs his Sa Sanchez on the pitch. Um, he He's not a player who can do it on his own, but I thought it was superb in this game. Anybody else, anybody else you think we missed? I think we've given everybody a good, pretty good uh, talking about, but anybody you can think of will get off this pod and say, oh, shit, I never mentioned X. He was brilliant. No, I mean, I think, you know, Cazorla and Ozil really dominated that game. Yeah, they, Those two players were absolutely phenomenal on the day. And, you know, Alexis was, was electric at, at times and often seemed to pose the most direct danger, but those two from start to finish, and in particular in that second half, were just supreme. You know, they they look like players on the top of their game at the moment, and especially for Cazorla, who has had a, a pretty slow start to the season, not quite as slow as it was last year. Yeah. There seems to be a bit of a commonality in that regard. It takes it seems to take him a little while to get going through, during the course of the season, but as we saw last year, when he does, by God, is he a, a player to watch? Yeah. And you know, we've mentioned Cochrane. Um, and we keep sort of coming back to Cochrane just because of the way in which you know he's, he, his story and the way in which he's blossomed as a player. And this game really reiterated to me. I mean, we know all about his defensive qualities, um, what he brings in that regard, but the technical side of his game was really, really strong in this game. And I think we've talked um, on the pod about it a few times, but I, 
I really felt that this was almost a cut above. I mean, there were there were certain moves, certain, you know, little skills, little like finesse passes around players that he was demonstrating. You look at that 94% pass accuracy, um, and on the face, you think, okay, you know, maybe he was playing a lot of sort of sideways passes, just keeping the rhythm, mm-hmm. momentum going, you know, much like Arteta does. But he was playing a lot of long raking balls out to the left, out to the right, spreading play, pushing or playing balls forward. He's you know, you know, very direct, you know, not giving Watford any any chance to uh, regroup and settle. And I really thought it was, it was a really strong central midfield performance from Cochrane. Yeah, um, in and fact, they, they weren't, not only do your eyes tell you they weren't sideways passes, uh, the fact that Cazorla was making the passes to Cochrane tells you he was being expected to progress it up to the fi- up the field, and he was. Absolutely. So uh, I, I think that's right. I think if you think the big fear for people was that would Coquelin regress this season um, or could he maintain his level of last season? And then there was a certain impatience that he doesn't do more than, more than that early on in the season. It was like all he does is what he did last season. So <laughs> it's an interesting progression in our expectations. Fortunately, I think he's meeting and for me exceeding what I thought I mean, I had my hopes. This is what I wanted him to do. But I still feel he's exceeding um, what I thought was he was capable of at this point. I think he's... I really like the player he's been coming. He still has his his uh, couple of moments where you think, hang on a second, uh, is this the real Cockland coming through? Um, so I guess the, the battle still rages in the inner Cockland, but I really think he's coming along to be a, a, a hell of a player beyond, beyond the destroyer and the restarter. I think he's actually con- contributing a lot to the sausage, to the build-up now. Absolutely. I mean, the more he he plays that role, which, as I think we've reiterated, is it's still you know, maybe not so much, as much now, but it's still quite a new position to him. Um, just the confidence gained from him having the self-belief that he can do it for a club like Arsenal on that stage every week just reaffirms that point for him. He does. He seems to have been gradually growing still, and um, he's he's been one of our best players this season. There's no doubt about that. And I think, understandably, there were some some doubts as to whether some sort of he would regress to some sort of theoretical mean. And um, I I feel pretty confident that this is a player we can we can. Expect from to see on you know ninety ninety five percent of games for sure. Yeah, I really like our front five. When you add in Cockerland, that front six as a unit really seems to have found its balance. You know why they're our our first eleven. You know any two of three centre backs is good with me, and our two full backs are superb. Our goalkeeper is great. Uh, you know you you kind of feel. If we can keep this team fit and healthy, uh, it's really a competition between us and City as to who stays healthiest. They have a deeper squad, maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, they say, I think neutrals would say they do. And I think some of the issues is we, we have some very good players in the rest of our squad, but they're maybe a bit out of form or they're injured. So... As Elliot pointed out, we get thin pretty quickly beyond this 11 right at this moment. I think that's a fair point. I I wouldn't overstate the point, but I definitely think it's an exposure there. But we keep these guys healthy and fit for a season like 
we pretty much did with the Invincibles. I think we're going to we're going to run them so close. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the true potential of this side is is really starting to come into fruition now. I think you know you see the defensive qualities, you see the the depth in in the Gabriel and um, in the defence. I think there's a, 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 a definite sense of sol- solidarity about the side, which Cochrane has really boosted. Um, you know, a, an issue that we've often lamented about Arsenal over the years, and it, that doesn't seem to be really the forefront of our minds. I mean, are we? You know, of course, West Ham. We conceded a dodgy set piece, but with checking goal, um, with that solid back line, we don't seem to have a major weakness at the back. Naturally, we're obviously going to concede goals, of course, um, and that will arise through mistakes and, and certain issues. But for the most part, I feel very confident in the defensive aspects of our game. Yeah, we've, and been, good, we've been really good going, on set pieces in the last few games, ropey before that. But, you know, against United, where you would expect a potential vulnerability, and they certainly fancy their chances. And against these guys, Watford, you know, we faced a lot of corners. Well, not a lot, but a number of corners. They didn't get too many set pieces. We gave away a few free kicks, I guess. Um, But we were pretty robust defensively outside of maybe the the per moment and maybe one or two times we were caught out uh, maybe a little bit upfield, which is just kind of part and parcel of how we play. I think over the last games, a few games, to your point, our general defensive solidity has been strong. Absolutely. And I think what's really been the difference now moving forward has been just how the forward line is is really clicking into gear. Uh, We've looked really deadly over the last couple of games, certainly in the Premier League. Um, And... The concerns are still there over the centre forward, I'm sure, but I think they're not quite as um, vulturous as they were at the start of the season. We're all a little unsure as to whether Walcott would really provide a strong option. He, it, it certainly seems that he is able to. Giroud, we know, is a very form player, but when he's on form, I think he's a very, very good option to have. Um, and The tag you know, team think, thing works. and It seems to work. And, and you know what? I mean... As much as we've talked about Theo in, in a positive light and probably Giroud in a, in a, in a somewhat less lesser light, um, Olivier scored double the amount of goals Walker has, and I don't think yep. he's had quite the same minute. So I think that, that that's only a good thing. I, you know, when, if we want to say that Giroud's been in bad form, yet he's still producing that kind of output, and you can compare that to um, respective strikers in the league. Um, I, I think that bodes extremely well for us. So um, yeah. as the forward line clicks and and we continue to demonstrate the kind of defensive defensive shape that we have done. That back four, back five looks very settled. Um, it, it looks promising. I think the confidence that we both shared is is beginning to to show, certainly in the league. And you know, I, I get I now get more and more confident as as the general, you know, the, we, we're getting being we're providing ourselves with a genuine reason to be confident in in the way that we play. Um, Whereas it might have been a little overhyped prior to the start of the season, which was a little our undoing. I feel more confident that a player like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain that needs to thrive off of something like that could be able to then produce produce better performances in a team that's clicking the way that it is now. So I think that will only help other squad players that are that are going to have to be utilised in the near future. Yeah. 
So talking about confidence in the league, I was amazed about Wenger's comments regarding the Champions League. I've never heard him as clearly talk. I don't have the exact words, but I basically heard him say, we are prioritizing the Premier League when he was talking about it during the week. And the Champions League, he didn't say this, is secondary this year. Uh, but he said something that that sounded awfully close to that. And then wh- being asked about, in the press conference, about well, who he'd play for the game, he said something really weird. He said um, something about considering, in terms of rotation, he said, yes, Ozil and Sanchez, they're tired. So... But but we probably need some speed. I'm like you're you were even talking out loud about not playing Ozil and Sanchez against. But I'm like wow. So <laughs> it's not that I don't think they're going. I'm not saying he was saying he's not going to play them, but he was pondering out loud. You know how you how best rotate and rest while facing Bayern Munich in the Champions League. I'm like wow. At least that's what I took out of it. So, yeah, I mean, he did take them, both of those players off a little early, though, um, probably yeah. with Bayern in mind. Yeah. I don't know if Arsenal's really the type of manager to, to try and play mind games as such. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it might be just, a, you know, letting Bayern know we're not, you know, we're not, you know, on the face of it, taking this game quite as seriously as we want to take. Well, we're not quite as worried about this game as much as we are about the, our Premier League oppositions. But I think... I think Arsenal desperately wants to be Bayern. He desperately wants to get through this group stage. There's no doubt about that. I'd be very surprised if you saw an Ospina or something like that come in for Czech. I think it'll be that starting eleven. Injuries aside, maybe a Gabriel comes in for, for I don't know, Koscielny if, if there is some sort of lingering yeah. issue there. Or um, assuming Gabriel in himself is even fit. But outside of that, I think it's going to be the the full on team. It's going to be a. I think it's going to be a big atmosphere. I think it's going to be a big game. Um, Bayern are, I think, probably the best team in Europe at the moment based on form. And we're going to want to be up for it. And be, I think Bayern are obviously the favourites, but it, it's at the Emirates. We're playing with a certain panache right now. We're playing with, playing with a bit of swagger um, after the last two victories. Um, there's a lot of confidence, even a, through um, external factors for players like Ramsey, etc. And uh, you, yeah, obviously, there's a lot of people who are extremely pessimistic about this game. I think I think something could happen. You know, I I think it's a really really intriguing game, um, and I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, very much my feelings on it. I w- was a bit, as you can tell, a bit taken aback on on the. I just never thought arson would be as potentially as revealing if I'm reading it right. And even if I'm reading it wrong, it's certainly way more than he generally says. Um. Uh, and I think there's some merit. I mean, there's clear merit in my view that you got to prioritize the league. I mean, if you look at any of the 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 non-mega teams that have done something, when people throw Dortmund in your face or Atletico Madrid or Juventus in your face for what they've done in the Champions League, it's off a base of a really strong league perf- situation. Either that year or in the previous years, they've typically won the league or are well on the way to winning the league and very, very strong. Um, and, you know, I do understand if you want to win the Champions League, there's you got to put the cart before the horse. So uh, I'm fully behind the idea 
the emphasis must be the league. I was I was kind of surprised about the the uh, the emphasis in his words with Bayern, though. I, I'm sure the players in their own minds will take will have no problem getting up for this and taking it 110 percent as their chance to measure themselves against the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the players are. This is part of what you want to play in the Champions League for. You want to play against Bayern Munich on your home turf on. Uh, certainly far, especially after the, the kind of results, the players are going to be buzzing. They want to prove to themselves. They want to prove to the fans and everyone that you know we can we can match by. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Um, you know, anything obviously it's football, so anything can happen. I, I really think it could go either way. So yeah. Um, so what's so your I, guess for the what's your prediction? Uh, I think it will probably be a draw. Um, it could be like a score, a two-two or a one-one. Some form of score draw would probably be my um, my guess for the most likely outcome. Yeah, I I think two-two. As I listen to you, that's the that's that's where I could see it going. I I fancy our chances, but anything could happen. Um, I think it could be a really good game, really really good. I think it's going to be tremendous fun. Um. I will like seeing Muller out there and Ramsey and see on it close quarters. Now, Muller's tending to play at the number 10 spot at the moment with Lewandowski as centre forward and with their options on the on the wings. So, But it's going to be a really interesting comparison seeing how they match up and how they play and whether they start switching to a three at the back and then dropping back to a four and then a three depending on the flow of the game. You know, who tries to own... Obviously, both teams are going to try and own the midfield, but they're probably going to be more dominant. It's going to be really interesting. Are we going to end up playing a counter-attacking game? It's going to be... mightn't be by design, but it might be the way it goes. So I think it's going to be fun. That's so, for sure. That is sure. That's all I got on my list. Anything I uh, you see me overlooking there, James, or have we covered the bases? No, I mean, I think, you know, there's, I'm just reading that um, Robin apparently hasn't flown with Bayern, which will give us uh, an added an added boost as well. Uh. Yeah. So. They don't seem to have been uh, using that's, them that's, lately That's certainly anyway. promising. Well, I, I, I must admit, I, I, I tend to be very uh, blinkered in my, my following of, of football. Everything is very EPL-based, so I yeah. can't say I've watched much of Bayern, but there's been a lot of talk of, of the development of, of Douglas Costa and um, Lewandowski's been playing extremely well so I mean it's going to be a real challenge for, for the yeah. back line I honestly don't uh, think so they'll be missing Robin in fact I think even if fully fit I don't know what they do but it would be a dilemma for them let me put it that way they're, they're front three uh, I guess they've been using guts uh, quite a bit so maybe a, a full strength Robin would be in ahead of him but uh, he's he's played some delicious football himself so <laughs> They won't be lacking. Costa's a force of nature. Uh, incredible speed. They're certainly skills. not lacking an option. Yeah. No. He's like another Costa, but he's not a dick. And uh, he's he's a pleasure to watch. So it's going to be a really fun matchup. See how that plays out. I hope we give him a really good game, whatever happens. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, I really appreciate it, James. That was fun. More airtime for both of us without Elliot. And his uh, his questions and wanting to say things and stuff. So appreciate the uh, the uh, 
the sh- the insights and uh, let's uh, let's get. To, do you think you can join us midweek for the Bayern game? Or are you going to be working? I don't, unfortunately. I'm actually concerned that I may not even be able to watch the game. So, ah. uh, which is a dagger to my heart, unfortunately. But um, I will I will keep everyone posted as and when things unfold. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting. Um, cheers, Bourne, and, and hopefully I can join on on Tuesday, but if not, next weekend. Cheers, James. Thanks, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.